0: you're listening to garibaldi red a nottingham forest podcast brought to you by nottinghamshire live hello welcome to garibaldi red from nottinghamshire live my name is matt davis hosting as normal to look back on the latest forest game and look ahead to the january transfer window a little bit in the company of first of all reds legend gary Birtles. hello gary can you hear me
1: good morning just about yes
0: good <laughs> not not a technology
1: is not too clever this morning it's okay. It's okay.
0: And second guest this week, returning to the show, is BBC Radio Nottingham's main sports presenter, David Jackson. Hello, David. Are you well? Uh,
2: I'm well. I can hear you loud and clear. No problems this end whatsoever. We're all good. good. It,
0: might, it might be a lot of David Jackson in the next 45 <laughs> minutes or so. So we're going to talk. Uh, look back, shall I say, on Forest Tuna win against Peterborough, which takes them to 13th in the Championship. Six points off the playoffs ahead of games against Swansea, away and Hull at home before we get into Christmas. Uh, Gary, you were at the game as one of the guests of honour of the club. W- what did you make of it overall?
1: Uh, I think first off, we were second best. I think Peterborough were the better side. They moved it quicker. They looked more incisive. Uh, I think if they had an out-and-out goal scorer, we we might have had a bit bit of trouble. Uh, They had a couple of half-chances. Should have done better with them in good areas. But uh, they didn't. And, you know, when teams do that and they don't take advantage of the opportunities they get, you have to take advantage of that. And second half, we did that without a doubt. We're the better side. And deserve to win it.
0: What did you make of it, David? Did Did you feel like Forrest were going to win the game? I mean, I was following from afar and always felt pretty chilled out. They were going to win eventually, given Peter's record. Did it feel like that in the ground?
2: It felt like as soon as they got the first, they'd be okay. Um, I was a little bit surprised, disappointed, really, in the way that they played in the first half. I think they'd had those three games in seven days, and then you sort of thought, well, okay, you know, let's. They've got a week off now. They've got all the players back. And you've got a whole week of you know, training with Steve Cooper. And I sort of thought a home game against uh, against Peterborough, who've been conceding a lot of goals this season. I sort of expected them um, to be a little bit sharper from the start, and they, they weren't really. Um, and, and as Gary said, you know, first half, Peterborough was second best. And I think we all think that probably uh, Steve Cooper had a few words for them at half-time. Um, and they came out. I, I just felt second half that once they got one, it would, it would have to open up a little bit. I never felt massively worried by Peter I don't think. and you always know with them that they're likely to concede a goal or two they're averaging conceding to a game and talking to um, my um, BBC colleague who, who follows them um, week after week just says that because they've got very little up front as Gary alluded to there because they've got very little up front the ball spends an awful lot of time in their own their own third, so they're they're bound to concede eventually, really, and I think that's kind of ultimately what happened. And they, yeah, they they sort of they, they got the result in the end. They got there in the end. That was what mattered, really.
0: How did Forest look going forwards, Gary? They two nil nils before the game. Did, did they look like they'd had enough ideas to break Peterborough down?
1: First half, it was a, a little bit lethargic. It was slow, um, and that was the difference between the teams. You watch Peterborough, and when they got the ball. They moved it quickly. It's one and two touches. We were a bit ponderous at times. I think we're taking too many touches on the ball when the ball was on to be played. Early it wasn't. Um, I don't think um, Lewis was given enough support and uh, service, and in, especially in the first half, um, his work rate was good. He was, you know, he was uh, gesticulating all the time, telling people to close down behind him. Um, but. Yeah, it was, it was a flat first 45 minutes. And I think the problem with that is everybody who comes to the city ground get 28,500 people there, that atmosphere, it lifts the opposition as well. That's the problem. You know, they, they get lifted by that magnificent noise at the city ground and uh, it, it sometimes can work against Forest. And uh, I think the pressure because of that is on the team and they realise that and... Like David said, I think once the first one went in, that's. But it was late going in. It wasn't an early goal in the second half. Uh, you know, we looked to relax a little bit and, you know, they were under the a wee bit. But yeah, you see, it's weird that 28,000 people at the city ground put pressure on yourself. It's a bit
0: mad, isn't it, David? I mean, 28,000 for a, a mid table championship club. I know the trajectory on the graph is very much upward under Steve Cooper, but there's not many clubs in the championship that are going to get that kind of attendance, are they, on a chilly December day?
2: Yeah, I think there's a few reasons, really. I mean, they've been getting big crowds, haven't they, um, this season since since Steve Cooper arrived, you know, consistently well over 20,000. I think there's there's two things. There's one, which is probably the main reason, which is uh, something Gary and I spoke about before the game, really, which is that, that feeling of optimism that's been created around supporters, the feeling of excitement of you're going to go down on a Saturday, you are going to see your team giving everything playing some attractive football hopefully scoring a goal or two you know there's that confidence in in getting a product for your money when you go down and see them play i think there is also the other element of the fact that fans obviously weren't in grounds for a long time and able to go and watch any football whatsoever so now they've had a a taste of it and coming back and the products they're getting is good um i think that there is a desire to get down there and see and you're right i mean twenty-eight thousand. you know for peterborough i remember a few years back there being a in similar sort of conditions, that kind of weather, that sort of cold, I think it was Rotherham and they got about 12, 13, 14,000, something like that. So, you know, small crowds. But these days, there's just that feeling that something's happening down there. There's a feeling that if you get on board now, you, you're seeing something happen, even though it's not perfect and results haven't always even gone their way over the last few weeks now. There have been reasons for that at times with some dodgy penalty decisions that Forrest should have had and um, and didn't get. But you sense when you go down at the moment that at the very least, uh, you're going to get to see uh, some entertainment. You're going to get to see some nice football. You're going to get to see the team trying to do the things that you want your team to do. And that's that's all fans ask for, really, isn't it? Even if at the end of it, you don't win. Um, you know, I remember seeing a lot of faces after the, the Fulham 4-0. But there were still a lot of fans saying, well, OK, we we saw them give it a go at the end. We saw the sort of effort that we want to see, even though it didn't happen today. That's what you want, and that's what fans are getting at the moment, and that's why they're turning up in their numbers.
0: Did you feel like when you were you spoke to a lot of fans, I guess, on Saturday, Gary, with what you were doing work-wise, did you feel that sense of optimism that maybe wasn't there on previous visits to the ground?
1: I think you've got to say yes to that, without a doubt. I mean, it's the same squad as, well, sim- yeah, very similar squad to Chris's, but the transformation from that period to now is just, you know, ridiculously good. And it's not just about that eleven out on the pitch. I think you know Steve has embraced the whole football club, not just now the, the the past, not just our generations, but the generations that have come through as well after us. I think he wants to go right, you know, through that history and and see why the club has become what it has. Um, and it's, it's apparently it's not just the about the first team; it's about every person at the football club. You know, it's it's very easy just to focus on that that one thing but you know you people tell you about the academy that you know the interest he's taking in the younger players and things like that and that's the thing you want to hear you want to it's got to be an overall thing and and Steve seems to have taken to it like a doctor water at the club because it's a big club still you know the reputation it's got coming in and and taking over and again maybe being the one who has to take us that one step further that we've been craving for so many years and at the moment, with that, those same bunch of players, he's got a six points off the playoffs. People were talking about, "Oh, well, Forest are drawing too many games." But careful what you wish for. I said this at the weekend, about three three months ago, two and a half, three months ago. People were we would have taken a nil nil against West Brom, we would have taken a draw against Reading. You know, you just snap your hand off to get those results. And now, you know, it's it's got that much better under Steve. And you're thinking, well, you know, we should have won that. We should have done better here. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. It's 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 a work in progress, and the work has started very very well indeed. We've we've seen that, and you know we look at teams that are difficult to beat. Um, you know we don't concede. You know defensively, you know we're we're doing well. The, Rob Bryce Sambers, you know he's come back to his previous form. I think I thought he was very unfairly treated by people because. And the, the way things were going, we were so defensive-minded that all he was trying to do as a goalkeeper was trying to take pressure off defenders by coming out and trying to, you know, say, right, I'll take care of this. And I was at um, I was at Leeds yesterday, Leeds-Brentford, uh, and the goalkeepers there, we, they were flying out. They were making mistakes, you know. So it happens at the highest level. Uh, but he looks, you know, a lot more confident. The players in front of him, because of that, are confident. And, you know, it's it's just really good to see that the progress Steve's made is is very evident in front of everybody.
2: You know, we talked about Forrest being a bit lethargic going forward, Gary. Do you think any of that is due to the formation? Because what we've seen from Forrest, how devastating they've been going forward when Steve Cooper first took over. We saw those wing-backs, you know, Max Lowe, who's now out injured, and Jed Spence on the right, and you get two players quite high up on, on each wing, and it was devastating to watch. It was brilliant. And then we've gone... With a change, obviously, with Max Lowe injured and Jack Colback kind of sitting in at left back, you've not you've not got that up by the wing. Is is that a reason? Maybe is that a reason why Forest have not looked quite so lively going forward? Is it is is that? No, is I, that I think good? you've got to
1: give opposition credit, uh, credit here as well. They know how good Forest have been. They've had to teams have had to change the way they look at how Forest play because under Chris, you know, it was defensive minded. It was a little bit predictable. We knew there was one up front who was going to be isolated. So that was quite comfortable for oppositions to, you know, look at during the week, plan for. But now they're, they're having to do more homework on Forest because of the transformation, because of the players who come in and, and what they're offering and what they're giving going forward. Now, you know, the, the striker rarely gets ice. Oh, we lost Gary. No,
0: he's got a phone call, I think, which probably cuts his mic out.
2: <laughs> what Gary was saying just before, not long before he, um, he sort of went went quiet on us, about Bree Samba's interest. I think Bree Samba, all of a sudden, you know, he lost his place to Ethan Hawthorne, of course, for that game against Middlesbrough. And he's come back and has been outstanding... And not just outstanding as a goalkeeper, but outstanding as a sweeper as well. You know, I don't, there can't be another goalkeeper in the division with distribution as consistently good as him and quick distribution as well. As soon as he gets the ball, looking up to see where he can bowl the ball out, what such strong arms he's got to deliver a, a perfect throw out, you know, to the halfway line, reminiscent of Peter Schmeichel in his days when he used to do that at Manchester United. It's brilliant. And then, you know, you see him on the floor kicking the ball out. It, it, I, I just think what he's brought, um, to, to the team since, since getting his form back has just been brilliant and I think that's helped the, the confidence of the de, uh, of the defence in front of him and now we're finally seeing Warrell and McKenna as a partnership we were desperate to see that a lot last season weren't we do you remember McKenna kept getting injured they never quite got long as a partnership and now we're seeing those two as a partnership Bree Samber in great form and that's that's massively helping. And why they've only conceded... What is it? One one goal in five now, Forrest have let in. It's brilliant.
1: I apologise for that. It's my son trying to get in touch <laughs> with me. I've got... My front door lock is broke. It doesn't work. So, we're trying to get the locksmith. And he's texted me and tried to phone me there. And uh, he puts he, he put his name in as... as he, it, When he was a younger man, as Sexy Mobile. Oh, my God. So, anybody can see anything on there. That's, that's uh, my son's... Um, handiwork so
0: well there you go that's something the listeners needed to know (laughs)
1: yeah well there you are just in case anybody can see it on when it came up on the screen no
0: no no what I was going to ask before um, one thing I find interesting about Cooper um, is around interviews David you might have noticed this there's kind of this thing around he respects the opposition but there's that kind of but we're Nottingham Forest mentality um, where he kind of embraces the stature of the club a lot more than previous managers do you think
2: yeah, I think so. I think that's, I think that's probably fair. Um, but uh, he, he, he does do that a lot. I mean, he is always respectful of the opposition. And he talked um, at the weekend about Peterborough and how he knows Darren Ferguson, the work that he's done over over some time um, at Peterborough. And he's done a lot of good work there. But yeah, you're right. He, he, he's also aware of the fact that Forest are uh, in form, have got real threats themselves. And I think he's given that confidence to the players that um, look, you know, you are you are good players. Um, he's given them freedom to express themselves, which they've done brilliantly. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I think we're we're seeing, for us, maybe the, the players as well, take it on themselves to think. Actually, you know, we're we're really good. And maybe there wasn't that that confidence there for, for the year before, where they've been sort of told to hold it back a bit. Whereas now, it's like, just go for it. You're better than that. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Um, you know, you see Ryan Yates further up the pitch. For example, you see players taking a few more uh, risks. You know, and and so I think that confidence is instilled in the players, and I think fans love to hear it because you know you you hear the manager say, "Yep, yeah, we are we are good enough to beat anybody," and you know that's proven right. They could easily have beaten West Brom if they'd have just been, you know, a bit a bit brighter on the night. Um, and so it, it it's fully justified. And I think you're right. I, I think that. That approach certainly, because I think fans always felt with Chris Littleton that the sort of comments he, were make, he was making were almost more about the opposition than um, than what his own team were capable of, and I think that sort of uh, ground some supporters down. Certainly, that's the reaction we got from fans. Anyway, I think you've had the same.
0: What do you make of the news last week, Gary? Then when I talk about this optimism there's 28,000 in the ground, and now you know the renewed planning permissions gone in. Is that exciting as a former player when it comes to the new stand potentially?
1: Well, it'll just complete the whole thing, won't it? It'll make it, you know, absolutely fantastic. And that that's, needs to be done. Um, you know, it was always going to be done, hopefully. And you've got to praise the owner for that because, you know, without the owner promising that and saying it's going to happen, then it, it wouldn't have happened. You know, Covid couldn't have come at a worse time in that respect as well, you know, because it puts it on the back burner. And then you think, well... Is it going to happen, you know, if, if Mr. Maranakis decided, you know, he was going to pull out or whatever. But, you know, it's, it's great to think that it is going to happen. And, uh, yeah, uh, it's going to be the Pete Taylor stand as well. So, uh, it, you know, Pete deserves to be uh, recognised for his part in what happened all those years ago. And, you know, it's, it's, it's great to see it uh, in the pipeline and hopefully come into fruition.
0: Back to the game itself. Uh, you will probably get a lot of comments on team selection, David, when it all starts. Yeah. Um, garner as an advanced midfielder what what did you, you make of his performance oh we've lost david we're not having a good day stay gary what did you make of garner's performance as an advanced midfielder
1: um i think he did okay uh, i think the midfield, you know especially second half was okay um the 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 glad in the middle um what's i forgot his name a jader yeah i thought he did very well um I thought he, he, you know, he tried everything to try and get things moving. He, he was, you know, a little bit. He was a little live wire. He was, he was trying to make things happen. And you know, you've got to get used to playing with uh, different colleagues and, um, you know, in different positions. And you know, we've been a little bit unfortunate with injuries when things were going, you know, particularly well. So you know, once we get a full squad back, which hopefully we will, going into the Christmas and you know January period, then. You know, you you could see a run put together because that the squad is looking good. It's I think up front still needs uh, you know a little bit of a tweak, and you know I think that's always going to be a talking point because you know the age of the two lads up front. Um, they always you know they give their own uh, give their all, but I think you need uh, something else in there. You know, another go-to player if 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 at all possible. And I'm sure that's top of Steve's wish list in January. And, uh, you know, he's good with players. He's good at picking players. And I'm sure, you know, I'm hopeful that uh, somebody comes in and it will add to what we've already got and push us forward. Because there is an opportunity there. The top two seem to be running away with it at the moment. But the other places, you know, they're up for grabs. Six points is nothing. You know, you have a good Christmas period. All of a sudden... People see you creeping up behind them, and you know their nerves go a little bit, and it happens. And you know, let's just be hopeful. I mean, we would we would never have been talking about this. We never thought we'd be talking about where we are in the league at the moment. What four or five, six weeks ago, even, and now we're talking about right. We could be in the playoffs. That's how quickly things have turned around. And um, you know, I just, I'm just looking forward to the progress he's, you know, Steve's still going to make and you know, what happens in January.
0: Uh, one of the players, we'll stick on transfers for a minute then, one of the players they're linked with is Adam Eder at Norwich, who's kind of a hustling, bustling, occupying defenders type striker in the mould of Taylor. Does that that make sense to you? A young lad who, who might benefit from a loan move, is that the kind of thing Forest are going to be in for?
1: Why not? You know, let, let's, you know, try that, you know, get some loan signings in and, um from a higher league, obviously, they're going to have quality. You hope they're going to have quality. And um, it's it could be the final piece, you know, in the jigsaw going through the, into the new year. Obviously, the FA Cup uh, starts coming into the equation at that point, which, um, if you're doing well in the league, can be a little bit uh, of a, a problem. But, you know, Forest have got a big squad. Um, I, I would have liked the The weekend to see maybe Carvalho at some point, Um, because I think you know a lot of people have been talking about you know what sort of impact he could have under Steve, you know because he's uh, a lot was expected before it didn't happen, you know he didn't get played a great deal, but um, you know I think it'd be very interesting to see how he performed. Oh David, you've not been we've probably discussed Carvalho
0: to death even with every single guest we've had on, so please give us your take on Carvalho.
2: Um, yes, apologies for that. I dropped out a couple of times, but it wasn't because of any phone calls from anybody with the name Sexy in the title. Nothing to do with Mrs. that. Mrs Jackson Just might other, watch this, yeah. Other technical problems uh, existed there. Um, yeah, we were talking about Carvalho during the commentary actually on Saturday. We wondered whether he might just be somebody to bring on in a game like that when you needed somebody to just unlock something. Um, And he was, he was about to bring Alex Mighton on just at the point that he scored. He, he was already by the side of the pitch about to come on. And, and again, probably for that same reason that he was just thinking it, it needs something. It needs a little bit of a spark. It needs something. Um, The the thing with Carvalho is clearly he, he he can do little moments of, uh, of magic. It's, It's what he provides the rest of the time. But, you know, a, a game like that, maybe when you just need a little bit of something, maybe he could be useful in that. I just wonder now. There's been so many managers; he's had so many different managers, and none of them have been able to find um, uh, much of a use for him. We saw just at the end of O'Neill's time, when Martin O'Neill's time, when he put him in for the last few games, and he he played really well, didn't he, for the for the last few? Um, and he, he he played a few games before, which is not. We've never seen any manager sort of get hold of him and see him play consistently well and consistently um, useful in a lot of areas as as a central midfielder. You know, he's taking up a place in the team and if he's not um, giving a lot in that, then you know, you start to think, could someone else do better? But, I mean, I remember with him, I remember a game against Sheffield United, Forrest won it 1-0, and it was a bit of magic from him and a cross that grab and nodded into the corner and, and and Forrest win 1-0. So you think, well, if that's all he's done and Forrest won 1-0 out of it, then then fair enough. But I think Gary's right. A game like that, where you're needing a little bit of magic, you're needing something, somebody just to unlock something, maybe maybe that's where you, you use him. But, you know, he's, he's, we've not seen him for so long. How You know, how would he... How would he do if you do if you did throw him in, in a game like that? I, I guess we'll never know now.
0: What did you make of the midfield balance on Saturday then? Gary was praising Jada while you were um, not with us for a while with Garner as a slightly more advanced midfielder and a lot of praise for so Yates. Does that look a reasonable balance or is it maybe a bit too defensive to play too often?
2: I, d- I liked O'Hader as well. I thought that he... Um, he's, he's two games we've seen him now, I think he's shown some nice touches, I think particularly in his, in, in his first one. I thought the first half against Luton, he... Um, Kept things fairly simple and then in the second half we saw him go on a couple of little runs. Really reminds me of uh of Raddy Maevsky in in just in this dunno, just like his centre of balance and the way he moves, he just looks a little bit like that. Um had a decent shot on goal as well, just just over the bar. So he's obviously growing in confidence in that team as well. Um so yeah, I like I, I like him. I think Ryan Yates has just been absolutely outstanding, especially since Steve Cooper arrived. I think he's just been absolutely brilliant. Um, he, he's, he's grown in stature in that midfield. Uh, he's just brilliant. I, I'm absolutely loving watching him play at the moment. The consistency levels are there with him as well, and that, that's what I really like. Um, so yeah, I think Oueda, um Probably you know if you bring another left back in, I think Colback was playing so well in midfield. You know, and you go back to his performance at QPR where he, he was. Um, uh, sorry, Reading where he was outstanding. You know, QPR he pops up with with a goal as well. In that central midfield role, I really, you know, I I think you'd probably want to try and get him back in there if if you can, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I like I think they've got options in midfield. I don't think midfield is is much of an issue for Forest at the moment. I, I completely agree with Gary up front. I think you know you think Lewis Graven's going to turn 34 in January. Um, I, I'd, I'd be surprised. I think if he's a Forest player again next season because you know he'll be on big wages when he signed a few years ago. Things have changed at the club since then. Um, and you know, you're also looking anyway in January to be bringing in, you'd hope, a, a young striker or two to provide um, a bit of support for Lewis Grabban. we've seen a bit of Lyle Taylor in in and out. But, you know, I, I just think if we've got, if you've got a, a young, hungry one, and I know that, you know, you've been uh, reporting about Adam Ida, the, the Norwich player. So somebody like that to go in there and um, and provide a bit of competition and a different option. Uh, off the bench, then then that's that's what Forest need. That's where they're they're sort of lacking a little bit, and I think they're definitely going to need to sort out um, something around the, the fullback wingback position, depending on what's what happens with with both of those two who are who are on loan, of course.
1: I think you're right about uh, about Ryan Yates. I think he looks so relaxed now than he did before. I, I think he was like a coiled spring before. You know, he was there waiting to you know try and burst out of his skin almost, and I think he's been allowed to do that and he looks a totally different player because of that you know you go out there and if you relax you're going to perform better if you go out there all tight and tense you're not you're going to make mistakes your first touch is not going to be good you know you, you you'll you try and hit the ball too hard I always say you know when I'm commentating you know, take a bit of pace off the ball and you will hit at least hit the target you know players just try and go and blast it as hard as they can and I think that's you know, how Ryan was trying to play the game, you know, he was expected to fly into challengers and he was getting booked for them. He was getting stick because of that uh, unfairly in my book, because, you know, I, I think he was trying to do the right thing. But now, you know, I think the confidence he has that he's been given by the manager is just so obvious for everybody to see out there. And, you know, I just hope he he can progress and I think he will progress. I think he'll just get more, Um, confident in himself and in what he can do and believe in himself and that's what Steve's bought he he, he bought that ability to say to players right go on similar to Brian Clough I'm not not worried what you can't do I'm worried you know I just want you to go and do what you can do what you can't do doesn't really matter you know and and when you've got that as a player in your mind as a player and you go out with that in your mind you feel a whole lot better um, because you're not afraid of making mistakes for the right reasons. And, you know, I think Ryan, is, he's playing with a smile on his face and, you know, he's a key player at the moment.
0: And he keeps getting in the box, Gary. I know uh, you've pulled, taken me to task for commenting on his occasional 50p, Ed, but he does keep getting in the box and he got his rewards on Saturday, didn't he?
1: Yeah, he did. And, you know, that that's good to see. You know, it's, it's about gambling at the right time. You know, you don't have to go in every time. It's about thinking, you know, well, this time I've got to go. You know, there's, there's something on here. You know that I can do, not going. You know, sort of willy nilly every time because it. You know, it's not going to work every time. But you know, that's instinct. That's an. In, you know, when you're out there, only you know when that's that's right to do. And you know, he has the ability, the ability to do that. And it's a dying art. You know, midfield players. You know, timing their runs into the box. You know, I've always talked about Gerrard and Lampard. They're the last two for me. But I played with some. You know, fabulous players at doing that. Steve Hodge, Neil Webb, Ian Bowyer, people like that. Archie Gemmell. You know, they could do that. They could time their runs into the box. They knew when to do it and uh, it is an art form and, you know, it's
2: great to see him doing it. We haven't seen them score many goals. So, we haven't seen them score that many goals. I, I wish i have got the stats to hand now, but I haven't. But it's it, it's nice to see Forrest scoring from a set piece, isn't it? Because, you know, you think that well, whenever Forrest gets a set piece, you see Joe Warren and Scott McKenna go up, but we've not really seen them get get many goals, and I'm not criticising them for that at all. They've been absolutely outstanding. But, you know, Ryan Yates has got up. He scored one at uh, Birmingham, didn't he? But he, to, to get on the end of one from a set-piece there as well. It's just good to see Forrest um, doing that, because as good as as much as we love to see them playing the, the lovely football and creating opportunities, it's quite nice to take advantage of having a, a set-piece and getting a goal from it as well, because I'm, I'm not sure what the stats say, and I might be completely wrong here, but it feels like watching them, that maybe we don't get as many goals Forrest from set-pieces as Perhaps they could. It depends a
0: lot on delivery, doesn't it, Gary? I think the delivery's been very hit and miss for the oh, Takes it's a just pretty decent corner. So much
1: the, the one at the near post that doesn't even beat the the man at the near post. Players now try to be, try to be too precise with it. You don't need to be precise. All you have to do is look at a video of John Robertson or David Beckham. They never tried to pick anybody out. They put it in an area where they they knew their teammates would attack. Simple as you know. There's no you know even at the highest level. I, I was doing Italian football and Spanish for Sky, and some of the deliveries were just absolutely dreadful. And these are players who are playing at the top of the you know the profession, and even they can't get it right. I mean, I was at I say I was at Leeds yesterday, and um, Patrick Bamford scored off he, off his knee in the ninety fifth minute. And the only reason that happened is because the corner was so good. It was it whipped in, it was flicked on, and there was Bamford. You know, just hit him and went in off the underside of the bar. You know, you don't have to pick people out. You know, if you, if you whip it in at a decent height, somebody in your team can get across the, uh, the the near post, get a touch on like they did yesterday, and you get yourself a goal. Simple as. Um, but the number of times it doesn't beat the first man, and that's just, it just winds everybody. It winds me up particular because, you know, I I was a striker. I was beholden on service, and I had the best in the business. You know, I had O'Neill on one side and Roberts on the other side. And I played at Grimsby. I had a lad called David Gilbert on one side and Gary Charles on the other, both wingers. And their delivery was absolutely superb. You know, they never tried to pick anybody out. They just put it in an area. And you know, if you weren't in that area, that was your fault. You know, they'd done their job. So I was, I was, you know, lucky in that respect to, you know, played at different levels with players who could do that.
0: Just one last thing on transfers in January. David, It's a tricky market, isn't it? I know Forrest have got a left-back on trial, Loris Benito at the moment, who they might sign. There's not many good free agents out there because they need time to get up to speed. And then the loan market's tricky, isn't it? Like you were saying around Grabben, if you're going to bring a second striker in on loan, you probably know they're going to play second fiddle. So clubs are kind of reluctant to let them go. And then this young lad's got to come in and do good 15-minute cameos, probably as the second striker if Taylor drops down the pecking order. I mean, Forrest have done well in the loan window for uh, uh, the most part in last year, but it's going to be a tricky window for Cooper to, to get the players he needs to push them at the table, isn't it, David?
2: Yeah, I mean, I suppose it depends how much these players are playing for for their own teams, doesn't it? And if they're thinking, if they've been told that maybe they've not got um, uh, much of a future at the club they're at, then maybe they just think, well, go out to Forrest and think there's a team on the up. There's a team who have got, what, third-best Form at the moment in the championship since uh, Steve Cooper arrived. Do you think there's a team that, you, as a striker, you might be able to go there? You might get some opportunities, score some goals, even if, yeah, even if you're not necessarily first choice. But think, well, actually, I might be able to um, get plenty of football under my belt in that time, and, and maybe, maybe either secure a permanent move to Forest or, or get somewhere else. So that there'll always be players who want that because why? Why wouldn't you want to join a team who are going well in the championship for a few months and go there and try to score some goals? if you're not getting much football where you are at the moment or if you've been told that you know perhaps you're not going to be uh, in the, those clubs' plans beyond uh, beyond the end of the season. So there will be options. It is just difficult to find somebody who is going to score you a lot of goals available for loan in January because if they're that sort of player, they're probably not the sort of player that that club wants to let go on loan in January. I mean, that it's just obvious, isn't it? So it's always a really, really hard month to be able to to get players. But there, you know, there will be there will be some around, and you know full well that judging by Forest recruitment uh, in the summer and the sort of players that they were brought in and how how good they've been for Forest, that that you sort of back that recruitment and you'd back Steve Cooper's contents to be, uh, contacts to to be able to add to that, and you'd think that they'll be able to bring in. Players in January who, who can add what they want and uh, and also have confidence that, um, that that they'd fit into the way Forest play because they've they've got this way and it's it's working and I just think I, I think I think they'll be okay but it, it isn't going to be somebody who's already scoring goals in you know League One for example I wouldn't have thought it isn't going to be somebody who's playing and scoring goals in the Premier League you're not you're not going to get them either so you've got to get what you can in January but I think they need somebody. Um, so a, a young player who's hungry for it and wanting a few months of championship football, that Forest will take that gladly, and that, that, that's that's kind of what the sort of thing they've got to be looking for, I think. I think uh, that, that addition
1: will be you know massive, and I think people want to co- or want to come to Nottingham Forest because of Steve Cooper, you know, because of his reputation, the way he's worked with younger players before, that he gives them the opportunity, and um, you know, I don't see it as a as a problem. For people wanting to come. It's it's a club that are on the up at the moment. Uh They're moving up the table. They're, they're not in a predicament like they've been in the past couple of years. So it's it, it's a perfect place to come at the moment. And I think Steve will give them the opportunity if they're good enough. You know, he'll he'll throw them in and say, right, okay, you're all fighting for your places now Um, because goals haven't been flowing of late. Um, You know, the, the, was it the last two uh, nil? It, yeah, it was nil nil. Was it against Luton and? And West West Brom, Brom. and West Brom, yeah. So no goals in those two games. They're they're two good teams. I mean, you look at uh, Luton's resort at the weekend again. You know, they're a team that are so difficult to beat. You know, they're 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 a decent outfit. They've got a good manager, a good uh, assistant manager, uh, and a good coach in Chris Go and you know Paul Hart, the Forest connections uh, down there. So, yeah, uh, I think the. It's quite attractive coming to Nottingham Forest at this particular moment in time, and I think players will want to, and I think their agents hopefully will tell them, you know, look, you know, they've got a manager in there who's turned this around so quickly, he's positive, he wants to play the right way, and, you know, just go there, and if you get the chance to get in there, you've got a really good opportunity to show everybody how good you are. And that's that's the idea for me of a loan move. You know, if you're going to have a loan move, you've got to do it for the right reasons as a player. You've got to go and say, right, if I get my opportunity here, I am going to show my club who I've come from and anybody else who's interested how good I am, because, you know, that's an opportunity. If you're not
2: getting one at the, your own club, it's a great opportunity to go out there and prove a point. Isn't the difficulty though, Gary? Not necessarily the players. I completely agree with you. I think the players would look at Forest as a very attractive option at the moment, and I think you're right about you know the agents think get them out at the very least into uh, into the spotlight for a few months. But it, it, it's the clubs, isn't it? It's the clubs. If they've got a player, the sort of it depends what sort of calibre player you're going for, isn't it? The sort of player that Forrest might be after unfortunately might not be the type that the clubs want to let go for a few months in January. So it's just finding that balance, isn't it? Finding a player who is going to add something sufficiently to us to try and push them towards I'll tell the you top what, David, half of the Why division. would
1: you want to keep one of your players playing under 23 football? Why would you want to? You know, it's not like we've, we've talked about the old central league before. It's not like you're going into a league like that and playing against players who are coming back from injury, you know, seasoned professionals and things like that. You know, the standard of football, I've been told, is, is not,
2: you know, brilliant. So why wouldn't you let your, your players go out on loan? Makes perfect sense. No, that's what I'm saying, though. You, you might get somebody who's playing under-23s, but I'm thinking of if, if Forrester looking for somebody, you know, we talked about Ida before at Norwich, who's kind of been in, in and around the first team. Players like Tyler Roberts at Leeds has kind of been in, in and around it as well. Are they going to let them go? Those who are kind of on the verge of a first team in the Premier League, who Forrest might be wanting to, to add sufficiently to, to what they've got at the moment, they're going to be hard to get. So what sort of calibre are you going to get? Is it if you get somebody from a Premier League under 23s, are they, are they going to be able to come in and hit the ground running and get what you want from them for the rest of the championship? I'm not saying they wouldn't, because that, that's where the, rec- the, the recruitment comes in, finding a player who's, capable of stepping into that first team at, at Forest and doing a job immediately. Because that's what you need. You need to be able to come in and do a job straight away, don't you? Well,
0: I guess Rian Brewster's the example there. You're an under-23s player who can do it, but it's just probably more of an unknown quantity, isn't it? You don't know quite what you're going to get. I suppose Norwich, going back to Norwich, they sent Jordan Hugel out on loan to West Brom, who's you know done pretty well in the Championship. and not done much for West Brom. But I see. I do agree what you're saying about hits and miss of the low market its going to be a tricky one. Um I just want to take a couple of viewer questions before we go, sort of on forwards. Mark Fox asks, um, do you think Brennan Johnson needs a rest? He's quite at the weekend. He did set up the first goal, though, with a very good cross. Um I said, what do you think, Gary? It's, there's so much expectation around the young man, isn't there? He's still, like I say, put up an assist at the weekend. He's still doing well.
1: He's going to be tired. But the, the, again, give the opposition the credit here. People look at, you know, games that Forrest play um, and they'll turn it upside down to try and nullify the the major threats. And he is a major threat. And they will try anything they can to stop him. You know, the number of times I've seen him kicked and, you know, knocked to the floor and that's, you know, a compliment to him because sometimes that's the only way he can stop people like that. Um, you know, he keeps getting back up. You know, he never complains, which is great to see. And I, I just think he's... He's loving every minute of being in the team when he gets his opportunity. And he, he never shirks responsibility for me either. I think he, he thrives on being in the first team and, uh, you know, he's, he's got a good dad behind him as well um, who knows exactly what he's talking about. And, yeah, it's you're going to get kicked. You're going to have your little off days and there's going to be expectation. We've talked about it. We, you know, Alex Meitner as well. You know, it's going to happen. Um, but, yeah, you have to be aware of that you, you know that's your job you know it's that's part and parcel of playing professional football you know that's going to happen and if you don't like it there's no point in playing professional football because it happens people do kick you uh, but it's about the bounce bouncing back and doing what he did to set up the goal is the perfect answer to being kicked from pillar to post and you know you'll keep doing that and uh, it, i think he might get rested over the christmas period because you know the games do come thick and fast and you, you can't expect players to play now, I suppose, in, in every game. Um, you know, you're looking to rotate a little bit, which I've never been a great fan of because I love playing every game. And you, know, you didn't do that in nowadays in, on those pitches. You just love playing every game. Every You know, we played three, four games a week at times because the pitches were that bad. They were called off and then you had to get them played. Um, so it, it it wasn't a problem, and I, I don't think it is for Brennan either. I think he loves being out there. I, if you asked him, would I, would you like a rest? He, I'm sure his answer would be a emphatic no, without a doubt. So, yeah, it's Steve will know. You'll see signs in training. Uh, it's not just about on the pitch on a Saturday. It's about training as well. You know how is his training going? And you know the coaches look at that. He's got a really good backroom staff, Steve. And uh, they all know, you know, what the professional game's about. So yeah, it's just keep him in there, and unless he says, "Look, I'm," you know, "I'm just feeling a bit," you know, "shattered, bit fatigued," but I don't think he will. He's not that sort of a lad.
0: Second question: Hussein asks about uh, Warrell and Johnson. Will he be always beyond the January transfer winner Which sort of leads into Warrell. We run out of time. I went to about Warrell's form is tremendous. Um, Scott McKenna's sort of gone under the radar. I mean, this is a frivolous question, but is McKenna actually better than Warrell, David? Because he doesn't have to make these flying, sliding blocks that Worrell does, which look class. But McKenna reads the game so well that maybe he's not as flashy as Worrell in terms of being a defender. And there's a case we made that. I'm
1: sure Joe will be quite taken aback by the flashy comment there.
0: <laughs> he loves a flashy cross field ball as well, Joe does. <laughs> no, Worrell's brilliant. I'm just, I, I suppose he's. he's <laughs> Flashy. Well, it's a bit flashy for defenders to be sliding in all the time and pinging 50-yard balls. We don't see that from McKenna. I mean, he comes out of with the ball, which is good. But I don't know. what well, is McKenna a bit uh, underrated against Warrell, I suppose,
2: David? He's tried those long passes a few times since, hasn't he? Since that goal against Blackpool. Yes. when you That exquisite cross-field pass to pick out Max Lowe before the cross for Johnson for that goal. He's tried it a few times since. It's not it's not produced a goal, uh, I don't think, since then. But, yeah, I, I just think they're both... In great form at the moment, as I mentioned earlier, seeing them develop a partnership together is something we were just desperate to see last season. And and didn't they'd kind of come and have a couple of games, and then one of them would get injured. And, and what we're seeing from Scott McKenna now is game after game after game is actually playing. Because last year he had a few injuries and he was just settling in. And it you know and, and in a team that was struggling, and now is he's in a team that's playing well. He's in a team with a goalkeeper in great form behind him. And whether he's in the back three or in that back four, um, I think McKenna's been an absolute rock. I think he's been absolutely brilliant. And I think Joe Worrell has been as well. And I think it's it's just great to get to see those two together. Um, I've liked it with Figueiredo as well. I think Figueiredo's been um, been good last last few weeks that we, we've seen him play because he was prone to um, errors. It has been, um, certainly over the last, you know, year or two we've seen quite a few errors from him and given away a few penalties and a, you know but in in that back three he, he's looked a lot more solid you know with with both of them next to him but both war and mckenna at the moment um uh, I'm, I'm not going to say which one's better matt you know that you know that. i mean what well, how how can i possibly turn up and interview joe war next week and then go you, you said on that you podcast to Matt, that mckenna was better than me i'm <laughs> not gonna do that but i just think they're
1: both it's brilliant. not about being better at all it's it's they complement each other they're that good you know they know each other's game you know you look after your mate you know you you did that as a striker. you did that as a centre-half who was better Lloyd or Burns you know they complemented each other pure and simple you have to get that right combination at centre-half and when we played two up front all those years ago it was so important to get those two partnerships right if you got those right you got half a chance Um, because you know you're built from the back and if you got two centre-halves who complemented each other you knew you got half a chance, and like you said, the goalkeeper behind Bryce has is you know he's come back to you know the goalkeeper we knew he was, and yeah, you know, it's, it's not about being better; it's about how yeah. you play alongside your mate. and they're they're both vocal, which is good. I like to see vocality out there; you don't see enough of it, and uh, you know it's not just the the two of them; it's it's to everybody around. You can see that you're happening on the pitch, and you know Mike, Michael Dawson used to ping a fifty sixty yard ball, diagonal ball, brilliantly. You know, so Kenny Burns did exactly the same. He was a great striker of a ball because he was a striker as well. So it's nice to see that centre halves are, you know, are trying this. There's nothing wrong with that at all. You know, we talk about goalkeepers now, they have to ping it 60 yards to feet, you know, and they have to be able to, you know, have a good first touch as a goalkeeper. Um, So it's progression in the game. And, you know, I'm I'm just glad we've got two, two such good centre halves. Probably, is there any better combination in the championship? I'm not sure there is. No,
0: I don't think there is. But do you prefer the three or the four at the back, Gary? I actually I prefer the three with Figueredo in the middle. I think they feel a bit more comfortable with the wing backs. What? what you, yeah, do you I think
1: that questions? that looked more productive, didn't it? It did mm. look better because you know you you know you got the, the solidity of those three at the back, and it gives the the wing backs the uh, you know the knowledge of that that they've got those three there that they can bomb forward and join in and cause you know havoc in the final third. Uh, so, in, in that respect, it, it does look, a, a you know, a better formation. I think four at the back can be predictable. You're a little bit worried to commit, you know, full-backs when you're, you've got that system in case the opposition just put the ball where they've gone, which, you know, good oppos- oppositions do that. So, uh, But it's good that he's got the choice of those systems. And when he's got everybody fit, I'm sure he'll play that uh that three at the back again because it works very well.
2: I think that's a, a key point, though, Gary. Is it? when everybody's fixed at the moment, you you wonder kind of who's going to do that left wing back role, you know? Because Max Lowe did it so well on that side, but without him there, there isn't really anybody else who can directly fill that. You know, Jack Colback does a great job at left back, but he doesn't he doesn't do the same sort of up and down job that Max Lowe did, and the same sort of thing that Spence did on the right. You think who else is there that can go into that? You could put Lolly wide left, but he's not got that defensive. Side to his game, you think of the other players that they could bring in, your yeah, um, and players like that, and I'll say two two if he's back fit again. But you know, they're naturally well. I haven't seen Drager yet, but you know, I'll say two two naturally a right back. You're putting out onto the left. There's nobody in Forest have got at the moment who can do a job at left wing back in anything like the way that Max Lowe was doing it. Is there? So you you wonder whether they can play that system properly again and, and, until he's back. I wonder. How long was he out for? Do we know? It was a couple of months Two when months, he was out. Yeah. Said they said a couple of months. Right.
0: I think they, they, it sounds like they like Too, Tutu, but he's been injured a lot. And Gay Tambong has done his best, but he's not, not the solution as a wing-back, is he, to be fair, unfortunately. Um, right. Any other business, Gary, before we go? Anything you want to moan about? Your son calling you or anything else?
1: No, I'll, I'll tell him uh, in non-certain terms that it's, uh, he was out of order, but... Um... No, nothing. I don't think there's anything else. Just, you know, I went around all the rooms, and there's, you know, there's a lot of hope. You know, I I have to be interviewed in four different rooms um, at the ground, and you know, I think the fans are, you know, buying into Steve Big Style as well, Um, and that's why when you hear about oh, we're drawing too many games, you you realise somebody's doing something well, and um, it's it's just how he's taken on board everything about the football club. That's what I love about him and and the backroom staff. They they want to know about the stories from when we played. They want to know what it was all about and how it transformed and and you know that they they're always willing to listen. You know they're always willing to. You're never too old to learn. You know you can learn from the past. Even 40 years ago. I mean we've got our 40th anniversary this coming weekend um, for the second European Cup win. You know that was uh, cancelled last year for the uh, because of pandemic. And you you can learn, you can pick things up from that era. You know, it really annoys me when people say, oh, it was different in those days, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it was different, but a a lot of things were particularly good. And I think, you know, Steve wants to embrace all that and listen to that. And anything you can pick up, no matter how small, to make things better, then do it. it. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, you don't have to just have your way of doing it. You can pick things up. And I think that's the thing with Steve. He's willing to do things like that. And he's willing to listen and watch and learn and hear, you know, what's gone before. And uh, that's,
2: that's got to be good. David, any other business? Just how much I think everybody at the club must be looking forward to um, going to Swansea, of course, especially Steve Cooper, uh, the day after his birthday, his birthday on Friday. So he's, um, he's got, a birthday celebration friday and then saturday taking forest um to swansea so that's going to be uh, fun isn't it a little bit of you know inside knowledge from uh, from cooper i think that's going to be absolutely fascinating you know a long old journey i'm sure there'll be plenty of fans make it as well i'm looking forward to that uh, on saturday getting down there and um uh, i'm even missing my daughter's birthday party for it but anyway that's a um, probably a different <laughs> you better go to swansea on the train yeah. the train is far better just one stop all the way from Derby or Nottingham. Well, I think we'll probably drive, no, but just because... Bad, bad
1: choice. Bad choice. <laughs> the radio equipment.
2: <laughs> We've got too much gear to carry. You remember that, Gary, from your days, all that gear to carry. I thought it would be, be a in, lot lighter now than tree. when I
1: was doing. It. I thought, you know, with yeah, the modern technology, no. it would have been, you know, You think of...
2: our technology's changed in that time? This is, <laughs> this is the BBC. We don't invest in any of that. It's the same gear you were using, Gary.
1: <laughs> Gary,
0: thank you very much. The a pleasure. And David, thank you very much cheers guys good to see you cheers um, we, we shall be back this time next week thanks very much everyone thank you for listening to garibaldi red a nottingham forest podcast if you enjoyed today's episode then please let us know we love hearing your feedback we'll be back soon with another episode thanks for listening